So the next topic we're going to talk about in Proverbs is a study of friendship. And uh, normally when we think of friendship, we may be tempted to say, I'm looking for a good friend. We might like scale the horizon and say, I'm looking for a good friend. Meaning there are certain character traits that I am looking for in a friend. But what I would like to do today is I would like to focus in on us displaying the character traits of being a good friend. And I believe when we focus on ourselves, we will be a good friend because we, if I believe when we focus on ourselves, we will start to be a good friend. And then what happens is, is when we're a good friend, we start to attract good friends to us. So instead of looking for the character traits of other people, look at our own character traits, and then that will draw other people to us because we will, in fact, be that good friend. So the first character trait I want to look at is the character trait of love. Now, Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So we don't choose our family, but we do choose our friends. And in many cases, our friends can take the place of our family when our family drops the ball. Have you ever found that to be true? Maybe people in your family, like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe people in your family have dropped the ball. So you have friends that obviously take the place of those family members because you love them, you chose them. They're those types of people. Actually, we're coming into Thanksgiving, right? And we invented a holiday, right? A pre-holiday. Does anybody know what that pre-holiday is to Thanksgiving? Does anybody know? Friendsgiving, right? Okay. Uh, so here's the thing. People invented this because they're like, I need time with my friends to deal with my family, right? So basically, they get together with their friends because they enjoy to spend time with those friends. So a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. It doesn't mean that this is, this is, a tr this is not an absolute truth. This is a truism. Sometimes we have strained relationships with our family members. So we have friends that we kind of confide in, that we gravitate towards, that we love, that we choose to have in our life. That's why when my kids were all born, they were all two years, they're all two years apart. So when they were born, I was always praying, Lord, I pray that my kids will be friends. Not just siblings, friends, because I know that they have each other in their lives for the rest of their lives. So they having friendship with one another was something that's very important to me and my wife. So when we have love for our friends, that is something that will keep our friendship alive. Now, there's no perfect friendship. We all know that. Friends sometimes will do and say things that offend us and hurt us. They might intentionally do those things. They might accidentally do those things. But if you truly love your friend, you're willing to overlook those things. You're willing to overlook those things. That's what Proverbs 17.9 says. Anyone who overlooks an offense promotes love, but someone who gossips separates close friends. So overlooking means you're willing to talk it out, work it out, forgive, move on. This proverb teaches us that when it comes to our friends, a way to show them love is talk to them about the problem that we are having with them. Sadly, many people do this, and we're probably all guilty of this at some time in our life. Instead of talking to that friend, what do they do? Or what do we do? Go to another friend, right? So we gossip about that friend. Maybe we go to that friend and the other friend and say, hey, so-and-so did this, so-and-so said this, so-and-so hurt me. But you know what? The end game here is what happens. 
separates close friends. Okay, so now all of a sudden your love for that other friend is seemingly diminished. It, it seems like that friend doesn't feel the love anymore because instead of you going straight to that friend to talk to them about that problem that you had, you went to another friend. You brought in a third party, which you probably had good reasons why you did that, but it didn't work out so well. But it's not only having love for your friend that keeps the friendship alive. It's also having love for doing the right thing, which makes you a good friend. When you have a love for doing the right thing, that actually helps make you the good friend that you need to be. So let's see what the scriptures say. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have a king as his friend. When we pursue a pure heart, here's what happens. Purity flows out of our mouth. In the things that we say, purity flows out of us in the things that we do. Here's what Jesus actually says about that with our heart. He says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And an evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So it's not only what we say, but it's also our actions. So the overflow of our heart, whatever is going on in your heart is going to come out in your life. You know, we can't judge the condition of somebody's heart. But as soon as they open their mouth, we have kind of a good idea what's going on, don't we? We have a kind of a good idea what's going on. So when we truly love our friends, we'll act accordingly. If we have the love in our heart for our friends, guess what? Love is going to come out. We'll help them when they need help. We'll mourn with them when they mourn. We'll celebrate with them when they celebrate. And we'll look for ways that we can express our love to them through the things that we do for them and the things that we say to them. But let's get back to that proverb. It says, He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. Now, I think in this passage, that statement, will have the king as his friend, is a statement saying, you draw in friends when you're a loving person. And the fact that it says you'll have the king as your friend gets people's attention. Whoa, I'll have the king as my friend? Like, I'm going to be the type of person that, like, a king would want to be my friend? Somebody that important, somebody that prestigious would want to be my friend? But I think there's also a deeper spiritual meaning. And that's reminding us that when we are loving to others, we are following Jesus, and he is the king. And guess what? He calls us friends. How do I know this to be true? Well, John 15 tells us. This is my commandment. This is Jesus speaking. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. The king, Jesus, is our friend when we show love to other people. This is my commandment, that you love one another. When, when people see the love that you have for other friends and the love and the purity that you have for doing the right thing towards those people, guess what? They're going to be drawn to you as a friend. When you work on that character trait of love, and you say, like, okay, Jesus told me to love. When you start loving other people, other people are drawn to that. They're drawn to that. They want to be friends with you. And not only that, the friends that you have want to stay friends with you. 
Now, the next character trait is a character trait of loyalty. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, you probably realize this right now in life. You can't be loyal to everyone. Have you realized that? If you have many companions, it is impossible to be loyal to all your, com your, all your companions, all your friends, right? It's impossibly loyal. You don't have that kind of time in your day. So if you have many companions, what this proverb is actually saying is you may be setting yourself up for failure because you will let people down. You've actually spread yourself too thin. So we have a few close friends that we can be loyal to, meaning we are there when they need us. Have you noticed this in life? You, you can't be loyal to everybody. You can't do everything for everybody. And the bigger your family is, like you have kids, you have a spouse, and now you have friends. So you're trying to figure out, how am I supposed to be loyal to all these people? So the proverb says, a man of many companions may come to ruin. Not does come to ruin, may come to ruin. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I see this as twofold. The first is just at face value is being a friend to someone that is more valuable than a sibling relationship. And some of you, like we saw before, might have that. You might have someone in your life, a friend in your life, that's more valuable than any family relationship that you have. But there's a more deeper spiritual meaning, and that is a reference to Jesus, his friendship to us, one that sticks closer to the brother. Now, you and I both realize what the scriptures say about who Jesus is and what he's done. He is the friend that we need. He realized you are all sinners and you need me. You need me to die in your place for your sin. Like the scripture said, greater love has no one than this. The man should lay down his life for his friends. Jesus was that friend who laid down his life to pay the price for our sins. Three days later, he rose again to prove that he is God. And the scriptures teach us that all who believe will have eternal life. Well, you see, Jesus' loyalty to us is now that we are in a relationship with him, he sticks closer to us than a brother. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. The, the doctrine is really the doctrine of eternal security. We can never lose our salvation. People might ask you, oh, somebody that I know said they're a Christian, but then 10 years later said, I'm not a Christian anymore. Listen, if you believed in Jesus as your savior, you cannot lose your salvation. There's nothing that you can do that would make God disown you. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. See, as a believer and as a friend, loyalty is so important because the idea of standing with someone through good times and through bad times. And really, that's the true, trust, true test of a friend, isn't it? Good times and bad times. You know, sometimes there's people that when you have a bad time, they kind of run towards you to help you, and that's nice. But when there's a good time, sometimes they're like, eh, you know, I'm a little jealous or envious of you. But sometimes there's people that like to be around you when there's a good time. They're like, yay, let's celebrate. And then there's a bad time, they're like, uh-oh, I don't want to be around you because you're going to be negative and complaining, and I don't really know what to do. And sometimes our intentions are good, right? We just don't know what to do. I don't know how to help my friend. I don't know how to be there for them. 
This, again, is why the many companions is difficult. And you may come to ruin because you only have time and mental energy to be loyal to a few. And if you have many companions, eventually you're going to drop the ball. Eventually you're going to drop the ball. Somebody's going to be upset with you because you're juggling too many friends. And inevitably somebody will get upset, they'll get discouraged, and it might ruin your friendship. The next character trait of a good friend is generosity. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. Now, this is an interesting proverb, isn't it? Like, let's buy our friends now, right? It's interesting because it almost sounds like we're buying friends. But I'm going to take the positive spin with this and say, when we're generous, we show ourselves to be a good friend. And here's why. Greedy people don't make good friends. Have you noticed that? Greedy people don't make good friends because greed is selfishness. And when we're selfish, we have a hard time seeing the needs and meeting the needs of other people. Have you ever gotten to that place in your life where you're so focused in on yourself and what's going on in your own life, you are blinded to what's going on in anybody else's life? We become selfish. Well, greed, you know, is kind of an example of that selfishness. Some of you, now we're coming into Christmas time, right? What's going to be on TV all the time? A Christmas Carol. There's going to be many different versions, Mickey's Christmas Carol and whatever. But what's the whole purpose? Okay, Scrooge had no friends because he was greedy. And then when he ran down the street and started throwing coins in everybody, everybody was like, yeah, I like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> he was opening himself up to friendship. So what does generosity look like with a friend? Well, the obvious is, you know, sharing what you have. But the more important is being generous with your time. Now, we all have the same amount of time, don't we? I mean, like, people complain, I don't have time. You have the same amount of time. We all have the same amount of time. We just choose to use it in different places. So with your friend, you need to be generous with your time. This is why, again, it's difficult or impossible to have too many close friends because you just don't have the time. But with your true friends that you love and are loyal to, you need to be generous with your time. And sometimes that means you might say, I'm going to sacrifice something because my friend needs me. My friend needs me to be there for them, helping them, doing this, sitting with them, praying with them, helping them. The next character trait of a friend is to be self-controlled. It says, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. You know, in order to be a good friend, you have to watch out who you become friends with. That's what this proverb is telling us. You got to watch out who you become friends with because you're going to start to act like the people that you spend time with. Have you noticed that? You start to act like the people that you spend time with. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this to another level, too. You start to act like what you watch. Have you noticed that? Okay. If you watch certain news channels, you're going to start to act and think like those news channels. Right? If you watch inappropriate TV programs and streaming stuff, you're going to start to act out what you're seeing in those situations. We start to act like what we're putting in. So 
Solomon says to his son, make no friendship with a man given to anger because eventually you're going to entangle yourself and you're going to start to be like that person. You're going to start to act like that person. And guess what? When you act like that person, you will not be a good friend to that person and you're not going to be a good friend to other people. You're not going to draw people. If they see no self-control, like we talked about a few weeks ago, when somebody flies off the handle in anger, what do we say in our head? Lunatic, right? They're a lunatic. I don't want to be friends with a lunatic. Do you want to be friends with a lunatic? Right. Nobody wants to. So you're not going to draw people in. And guess what? You're going to learn those bad habits, and then you're going to pass those bad habits on to every other relationship that you have, including your friends. And people are going to look at you, and they're going to say, I don't really want to be friends with that person. They're toxic. They're not good for me. Self-control is needed in every relationship, but because we choose our friendships, we can steer clear, can't we? People can choose not to be your friend because of your lack of self-control. I know a few weeks ago we talked a bit about anger and we talked about having good sense, but not controlling our anger is a repeated theme in Proverbs with so many consequences. This is why Solomon directs his son so many times, stay away, don't do it, don't be angry, don't, or don't act out on your anger. Apply self-control. You don't want to be the one that lacks self-control that people are avoiding. To be a good friend, you'll need self-control because even our best friends will wrong us, will let us down, will upset us. You might have noticed that. Even your best friends will wrong you, will upset you, will let you down. And guess what? When we lack self-control, you're going to be tempted not to love them, not to be loyal to them, and not to be generous with them. Now, the final trait is threefold. The final trait is threefold, and this is a difficult one. This is where people usually check out, and that is this. Willing to confront. Being willing to confront displays itself in three ways. Now, some of us run from confrontation. We don't want to confront. If you have a friend that's like, yeah, I love to confront, they're scary, right? They're scary people because they just are looking for opportunities, right? But the scriptures teach that a good friend is actually willing to point out things in our lives. A good friend that you're going to be, hopefully, is going to be willing to confront the things that you see in the friends that you love. So the first is this, telling the truth. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You know what? Sometimes the truth hurts. Because it's something that you are doing that is not good for you. It's not good for the people around you, and it's displeasing to God. So a good friend is a person that will tell you the truth, even if it hits a nerve, even if it hurts. That's why it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. It's kind of a weird verse, right? Wounds of a friend? Well, why would a friend wound you? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of enemy. So basically what this is saying is, if you are a good friend, you will tell your friends the truth, even if it hits a nerve. Maybe, for instance, you have a substance abuse issues. 
Maybe you drink too much and your friend notices and says something. You may be annoyed. You may be angry. You may be embarrassed, but they are saying it to help you. The kisses from an enemy are not, hey, you drink too much. They're like, hey, you like to have a good time in your garage on Tuesday, hiding from your family. Okay? <laughs> They're kisses. They don't care that you have a substance abuse problem. They don't care that you're going down the wrong way. But the friend who loves you says, hey, you know what? Something's got to happen here. And I know this is annoying to you. I know you're embarrassed by it. I, I know all this. But I'm saying this because I love you, not because I want to hurt you. Even though this hurts, but I'm telling you the truth. A faithful friend sees things because they know us. They love us. They want the best for us. And they want to tell us the truth. That's the friend that we need to be. We need to be that person. If you consider someone your friend, don't back down from telling them the truth. But here's what I'll say. Do it gently. Do it respectfully, but do it. Not because you're right and they're wrong, but because you want the best for them. You get that? Not because you're, because a lot of times in relationships, that's what happens. You're right, I'm wrong. No, no I just want the best for you. I just want to help you. You know, because realistically, when you think about it, with our friends, right, we can just be like, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Find a new friend. See you later. You don't want to hear the truth. I don't need you in my life, and I'm going to turn my back and walk away and never talk to you again. We can do that with our friends, can't we? Maybe some of you have. Maybe some of you needed to, because when you told your friend the truth, they were like, Psh, you're just being judgmental. You're just saying this, or that's your problem, not my problem, whatever it might be. But the truth is, when we tell our friends the truth, guess what the truth does? You know what the scripture says the truth does? sets us free. It sets us free. So if you have a good friend in your life, if you're the good friend, you need to look and say, you know what? I want my friend to be free from this burden. I want my friend to see how I see it because they're clouded vision because they're in that situation. They can't see it, but I see it loud, plain and clear. I see it. The second, kind of along with the truth, is bringing wise counsel. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Now, sometimes we end up becoming a friend of someone because of the counsel we offer them. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have somebody at work and you're a believer and they're not a believer and they're going through some struggles and issues and you keep on giving them wise counsel. You learn that wise counsel from being in God's word, from worshiping God, from learning from his word, from doing your devotions, from hearing messages. So you have this wise counsel, it's from God, and now you're offering it. And guess what? That person's like, man, this person in my life has really been helpful. They offer wise counsel. You know, sometimes we see people doing like the wrong thing, like, and, or like going down the wrong path, and we're just like, mm, let's see how that's going to work out for them. And we don't open our mouths because the confrontation, we're afraid. We're like, if I say something, they're going to think I'm like trying to be a know-it-all, trying to, you know. But here's the thing. You need to be willing to bring that wise counsel to help them. And guess what? You're going to call people to yourself. When you bring wise counsel, you're going to call people to yourself. Again, gently, respectfully, not lording it over people, not judging people, but just saying like, hey, listen, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. 
Here's what happened when I made that same mistake. I hate to see you go through the same thing. You know, when you do that, you might end up with a lifelong friend because no one in that person's life has ever took the time to give them wise counsel. Which brings us to the final area of being willing to confront, and that is pursuing sharpening friendships. Some people don't want friends that confront them by telling them the truth and giving them wise counsel. They just don't want that. They don't want that in their life. I live my own life. Nobody else tells me anything about what I do. Some people don't want to be the one that has to tell others the truth or give them wise counsel. Some of us are like, man, that's, that's a lot of work, okay? I got enough going on in my own life. I don't need some train wreck in my life that I have to kind of counsel and tell them the truth all the time because it's kind of a pain. But the truth is this. We need to pursue sharpening Christian relationships in our life. The scriptures tell us this. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another, or one person sharpens another. You know, we can read God's word, we could pray, we could worship, we could sit and listen, right, to God's word being preached. But do you know what? You know what we can't forget? We all need fellowship. You realize that? We need one another. When God created Adam, what did he say? It is not good, what? For him to be alone. If you're wondering about that, oh, it's not good to be alone? Watch Castaway with Tom Hanks, okay? <laughs> the dude made friends with a volleyball, okay? It is not good to be by yourself. We need sharpening relationships. Biblical friendships are so important and necessary because those friendships sharpen us. Now, you might be thinking, how can I find these types of friends? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. The first step is be this type of friend. Okay, be the type of friend that you want. Be that person. Don't look at everybody else and say, I'm looking for this person. Just be that person. But the second step is put yourself in situations to make those types of friends. Put yourselves in situations to make those types of friends. So pretty much here at the church, any small group or Bible study, you have opportunities to meet like-minded believers. In fact, one of the men's studies that meets the second and fourth Saturdays in the morning is actually called Iron Men. Okay, it's not because these guys think they're superheroes. It's because of this verse. Iron sharpens iron. It's to come together so you can meet other like-minded people. I know it's not easy to meet other believers. Maybe you work with all unbelievers. Maybe everybody you grew, grew up with is an unbeliever. And you're like, how do I make believing friends, people that will sharpen me, people that will actually say, it doesn't mean you have to hang out with these people all the time, but you're opening yourself up to relationships that will actually sharpen you. So the point is, we have men's groups, women's groups, co-ed groups, focus groups like Grief Share, Young Adults, Youth Ministry, Children's Groups, Moss Ministry. All these ministries focus in on biblical teaching, but they also are a place for you and I to meet other people that will help us in our walk with Christ. You see, when you're loving, when you're loyal, when you're generous, when you're self-controlled, when you're willing to confront, 
You can be the friend that God desires you to be. You're prepared to bring that friendship to the table to other people. Now, the best example we have as a friend is Jesus. And this morning, we're going to observe communion. Jesus is that friend that sticks closer to the brother. Jesus is that friend that laid down his life. When we observe communion, we're basically saying, I remember, Jesus, that you are the friend that laid down your life for me. Your body was broken, your blood was shed in my place for my sin. It's a time of remembrance, but also communion is a time for us to ask our friend Jesus for help. You know, maybe some of the things that were said here this morning kind of struck a nerve with you. And you're like, if I'm brutally honest with myself, I am not that friend. And you might look around and say, I don't really feel like I have many friends like that. Well, the reason why could be because you're not putting it out. You're not reciprocating it. So the people that are putting it out are the ones that are calling the friends to themselves. And the people that aren't, are not. And it's not good for us to go through life alone. So maybe you need help. Maybe you need to ask Jesus, in the quietness of your heart, help me to put these things into my life. Whatever you're struggling with, communion is a time to lay that at the foot of the cross. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a few moments of silence to just kind of be alone with the Lord and ask him for help. And then we'll partake together. On night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it. He said, this is my body, given up for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the cup of my blood, the cup of the new covenant shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. I pray for each one here. I pray, Lord, that we would be loving, loyal, generous, self-controlled friends that are willing to confront so that we live out your purposes, that we draw people in to your grace and to your love, that we see those who don't believe and offer them the same kind of friendship that our friends that do believe that we would offer them that kind of friendship and they would reciprocate so they could walk together. I pray, Lord, for anyone here that's not involved in something in this church that's going to help them to make some relationships, that they would seriously consider doing that. Seriously consider getting involved so they meet other people that would sharpen them. I pray, Lord, that you would help 
each one of us to pursue those sharpening relationships, but more importantly, be the friend that you desire us to be. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen.